Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Islanders country, hello. This is PT Isles, the Winning Ways edition. Alongside No Fogelman, I'm Joe Bono. A reminder you can listen to this show and all Lighthouse Hockey podcasts on iTunes. Please rate and review or find us on Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or over at LighthouseHockey.com. Lighthouse Hockey, your SB Nation home for your New York Islanders coverage. No six straight wins, 13-2-2 over the last 17 games. Still unbeaten in regulation at Fort Never Lose, 11-0-2 at home this season. And most recently, four consecutive wins against the Boston Bruins. They've allowed only five goals in those four games. This is becoming an all-time post-dynasty Islander season. Yeah, wait, let me put down my phone because I was just watching another clip of uh, Matt Barzell scoring. <laughs> Must have watched that a hundred times by now. But yeah, and yet, you know, people are still surprised about this. You know, they did what they had to do against the Sabres, you know, three straight 5-2 wins, and everyone's like, oh, they beat the Buffalo Sabres. But in years past, you know, they would have at least lost two of those games and maybe have gotten three points out of the six. They did what they had to do in those games. They're dominating Boston this year, which no one expected them to do because they haven't done that in quite some time. They're getting scoring. They're, you know, I, that's the thing coming to the season. No one thought they can score. They didn't address anything, and yet they're picking up you know, all these goals, getting ways to score. They have five players with nine-plus goals now. 
Anders Lee all of a sudden is in the, you know, gold leaders of, of the NHL. Brock Nelson's been on fire lately. We know where we're getting for D.G. Paggio. And, you know, Wallstrom's looking pretty good once we get Andrew Bavolier going. And yet, Ryan Pulak, no goals. No one cares right <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, those 5-2 games against Buffalo, you know, as I, as I said on Twitter, this is what happens when a very good team is playing very well and a bad team is playing very badly. And right. I think that's what you got in those three games. They were pretty much rocking chair games, all three, um, except maybe at points of the third period on Sunday where you were maybe on the edge of your rocking chair for just right. a few minutes before the Cal Clutterbuck goal made it 4-2. Uh, kudos to the guys over at Offside Tavern and Nick, who after they gave up the two goals and they made it 3-2, he said, hey, listen, you can't win 5-2 unless you give up two goals. And sure enough, like, the third game finished 5-2 as well uh, for all three games. And 6-0 and against the Sabres. 4-0 against the Bruins. And listen, they lost those back-to-back games in Philadelphia in overtime. And obviously they've had some tricky, fluky-type losses against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Everyone else, this team has, has <laughs> dominated uh, this season uh, at this point right now. And you look at the schedule, the next three games, all against the New Jersey Devils. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the schedule the way they're playing. I'm like, they're going to win these three games. Yeah, I mean, it's no. I mean, this is this is what it's this is what it's come to. Exactly, but you know what? Every team is playing every team the same amount of times, so it's not like an NFL schedule where oh, it's easier. You know, they're playing these teams now. Get the points, you know, get the lead, and go go from there. And the thing about it is, all regulation wins. You know, last night, okay, it, it was in um, in overtime, but they got the got the extra point. Uh, just get all these because every it seems like every Mass Mutual East Division game is a three-point game so you have to just, you know bank the points when you can and they're doing that you know all these home games they're getting the wins it's going to be nice tomorrow to see some fans in the stands as well yeah islanders uh selling out uh to covid capacity uh all seven games that were made available uh, no no surprise there um yeah i mean you look at the right looking at look at the division right now 36 points first place and uh the only thing if anything gives you a little bit of pause is that you know everyone else pretty much has you know games in hand on the islanders uh capitals have one game in hand uh bruins have three games in hand but they're six points they've done what they've done what they needed to do and i think you know for quite some time now we kind of know how this division is going to shape up you have eight teams Rangers, Devils, and Sabres are most likely not going to be able to be there. And then it really, even though the you know, Rangers are playing better as of late, but they're still six points behind the Flyers who are currently in the fifth spot. So you have, you know, five teams for four spots. And I'm not saying the Islanders are going to keep up this clip for the remaining half of the season, um, but they've given themselves, they've afforded themselves an opportunity to have another stumbling block like they did with that five game losing streak earlier in the year and uh, not to fall out of the playoff picture with the effect of how, of how many points they just continue to pile up. And uh, a lot of things have gotten rectified over this most recent stretch. Um, you've seen Oliver Wallstrom really kind of come into, I'm not going to say come into his own because we think his potential is right. much higher than where it is, but he won that job. The third line winger position was open. Bellows got an opportunity. He got an opportunity. Doug Cole's been there. And, and Wallstrom has emerged as the guy who's going to be on, on that line. We'll see whether or not they get another winger to pair up with him and Pajot. Uh, but Wallstrom on the power play, 
had a great back check in yesterday's right. game. He's been talking about how much he's loving just the details of the game, just things that you would love to hear from a coach, um, throwing the body around, being physical. And uh, the Islanders have found themselves another, you know, player on their roster that has 20 goal potential, which is uh, what they needed with their inability to kind of go in the free agent market or the trade market and bring a player like that uh, into, into this team. Right. And, you know, with Oliver Wallstrom, I know a lot of Islander fans like to kill Brett Thompson, head coach of the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. But when players are down there, he teaches to play a 200-foot game. And that's what he was doing down there as well. He was kind of planting the seed for Wallstrom to come up here and play that game. You know, it's a system that, you know, Trotz impl- implemented as well. And he's producing. You, know, you look at even Michael Tuckle, who didn't play last night, they put Uncle Leo in. He doesn't score anything, but he's been, you know, playing such a great defensive game. He's just not a player they expected to play like this. It's just a system, you know, that Barry Trotz has brought in. The players are buying into it. And the potential of Oliver Wallstrom is limitless. I mean, kind of felt bad for him getting pummeled a little bit by, uh, you know, Brett Marchand a little bit last night. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Could have been worse. Could have been, could have been licked. You know, yeah. that could have happened. So exactly. you'll take a pummeling over a licking. Right. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, the other rookie, uh, Ilya Sorokin, and uh, had some shaky starts. We all know about his first appearance in the NHL, the short notice game against the New York Rangers where he got blitzed. Um, had some other uh, shaky starts in Philadelphia where he gave up some goals that you wish you had back. And now you kind of fast forward a few weeks later and a couple shutouts later and, um, you know, goals against average are 2.14 and just kind of settling right in, just like every other Islander goaltending, goaltending tandem does with Piero Greco. And, um, Mitch Korn, yeah. And Mitch Korn and the Islander coaches and uh, him and Simeon Varlamov are, uh, you know, obviously Vasilevsky is doing what he's doing in Tampa Bay and is probably the Vesna Trophy favorite. But uh, this team right there, once again, is possibly being, you know, one of the two or three best teams when it comes to goals allowed in the NHL. Yeah, exactly. They'll probably rack up another Jennings uh, Trophy, you know, Maybe Tampa's got to, I've been looking at that closely. And it wasn't until like recently, last two, three years, I've been like, you know, focus on the Jennings goals allowed stat, you know, throughout the course of the season. Yeah. I mean, like, it doesn't matter who, you know, the Islanders put in net right now. It's not like teams can take a night off because, you know, Sorokin, who those first couple of games were basically, let's face it, they were preseason games. He didn't have any preseason, you know, games. He got thrown in his, you know, the starting game. Uh, now he looks like the goaltender that we've been salivating over, you know, for like, what, seven years now? And you know, he, he looks like the, the real deal. And, you know, Varley is Varley. You know, it's, it's no drop-off, you know, from either one of them. When they're in net, uh, we all remember Robert Leonard, but Varley is, you know, Varley. And he is one of the best players on the team, one of the most valuable players on the team. And he's been carrying the team. He carried the team, you know, part of this the first way part of the season now the offense is carrying him and he's doing what he's doing before so it's a mm-hmm. complete team effort yeah it looks like the uh Beauvillier and Bailey and and Nelson line we were waiting for them to get going and as you said uh Nelson has been a streaky player throughout his career and right now he's on a hot streak now 10 goals six of them coming on the power play um you know Josh Bailey I think um is tied for the team lead in primary assists that no one wants to talk about, of course. I don't even know how that's possible, but I, I, I saw that stat the other day. Um, 
you know, why not? And that's kind of funny because I think for a long time, especially when Tav- when he was playing with Tavares, uh, the big joke was that he would always get the secondary assist. Of course, yeah. And 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 now, uh, you know, the the one step that he could hang his hat on this year is I think tied um, with the primary assist as well. And uh, you mentioned it before. Um, you know, we're waiting for Ryan Pulak to score score a goal, and it's uh, that's quite surprising that he of all the defensemen uh, would not have a goal yet. Um, so there's still, you know, there's still some players that, you know, have not had their moments and their big hot streak, um, which is just speaking uh, volumes to what this team has been able to do. And, but uh, right now they have all four lines going and we saw that happen throughout the course of the summer in the bubble that, you know, when the Islanders have all four lines going, they don't have to have one dominant line. But if they have all four lines uh, dictating play, creating scoring chances, coupling that with their structure, with their accountability, with their ability to play defense in their zone, um, they're as good as any team in the league. And uh, a frustrating team to play against. You may have seen those Taylor Hall quotes about the Islanders and about how difficult it is to come back. Now, the crazy thing is, no, like as an Islander fan, you know, you still feel like they blow leads. You still feel like they give up goals late in third periods, at the end of periods. But I mean, it, when you look at the record and you look at what's happened here in recent history, uh, there's very, very little to be upset about. I know, but it's like we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. But the last couple of years, I mean, look, all these playoff wins, you know, we're advancing every year to second round, the conference finals. What's after the conference finals? The Stanley Cup mm-hmm. final. So if you're looking at that trajectory, there should be the Stanley <laughs> Cup finals. And there's no reason why they can't be. I mean, the, the first goal should be winning the division, something they still haven't done since 1988. You know, they had home mm-hmm. on uh, two years ago, which was great. This they, year, were just waiting, they were just waiting for a sponsorship of the division before they exactly, could uh, yeah. raise a banner. <laughs> <laughs> well, if that happens, do they actually put the Mass Mutual logo up there or just the text? How, does, how is that going to work? Uh, we'll have to look at the fine print of the, uh, the agreement with the NHL there yeah, uh, to see whether or not they get, uh, the, they get signage uh, at, at, the, uh, at the UBS arena uh, with banner. Yeah, or it gets raised next year. Yeah, absolutely. But we, I mean, we all know that you know they're going to go on some sort of you know cold streak this year. It's not you know it can't happen where they're going to win all these games. You know, but bank the points now, and you know get a sizable lead. I think they're thirteen points above the Rangers right now. You know, so it's it's it's, they're, it's you know having a uh, healthy lead now. You know, all these points, and I think every team who has games on hand of them, I, they still can't catch the Islanders. I think the Bruins are the only one who can tie them, and then the Islanders will help the tiebreaker. So mm-hmm. things are looking good. And listen, some of these teams have the ability to beat up on Buffalo the same way the Islanders have. Exactly. Islanders are going to have to go to Boston for four games. So, um, you know, listen, a lot can happen. But, again, 13-2-4 and four in their last 19 games, um, and they've won 11 straight games against everyone but Pittsburgh during that stretch. And, you know, we all watched those games closely and those games could have all went the other, other direction. Those, right. That's the one team they played where luck has not been on their side um, throughout the course of the season. But, you know, you, I mean, we're talking about, you know, we go back last year and how magical the 17 game point streak was right now, 17 of the last 19 games points. Yeah. You're watching this game, every watching this team every other night in what's a very busy March and every night they're just they're they're every night they're they're playing a really solid hockey game, yeah. and they're in a position to get points or are holding a lead late in the third period with a chance to win. Six straight games uh, they've won, and third straight season that they've had a winning streak of at least six games, which uh, speaks again to uh, what Barry Trotz has done 
uh, with this Islander team and culture. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they have a couple games, actually a couple of three games against the Devils. And then they have, they go to Washington and they're going to be without Tom Wilson, our good friend, Tom Wilson, who will be still serving his seven game suspension for, you know, doing Tom Wilson things. <laughs> a couple more, uh, just again, just stats about this team where they are right now. They're the best third period team in the league. Yeah. In terms of goal differential, 29 goals, 4 16 allowed, plus 13 tops in the NHL. Um, you know, the one thing that continues this to concern me because it just – you can't expect to go a full season, even a shortened season, without something happening. The fact that they have only dressed the same six defensemen the entire season. I know Sebastian Ajo was on the ice there for warm-ups as uh, Matt Barzell uh, treated him like a pylon. Right. right, I said Aho treated got treated like a pylon uh, dur- during the pregame warmups. But you know, beyond that, uh, you know, of course, the injury bug can happen. Knock on wood uh, that it, that it won't happen to the Islanders. But you know, I am still surprised that they haven't worked in um, any more depth into that uh, lineup, especially with that many games as they're going to be playing over the course of March. Maybe it changes, or Mary, maybe Barry just feels like you know they could just keep on rolling with it. Um, you know, I think it's just something that uh, you and I have been talking about uh, since the start of the season, and uh, it's yet to have a shakeup on the blue line. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure everyone held their breath the other night when uh, Adam Pellick went to the you know bench a, a little funny. He was he was hurting. Uh, he's the one you can't afford to lose. But yeah, I mean, they're the only team I think that stressed the same six defensemen in the entire NHL. It's it's unfeasible to think that they can do this the whole year. I'm sure at the deadline, Lou is going to look into getting some sort of depth in on the blue line because they desperately need it. If they don't think that Sebastian Ajo can play any game, then why dress him? Same thing goes for Thomas Hickey, who hasn't really played an NHL game, I think, in two years now. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, they're going, to ha- they're going to have to, you know, right now hope and pray that the same six guys stay, uh, stay healthy. And it was good for the Islanders to finally win in the shootout Right. Um, you know, you mentioned that all their wins had been in regulation and uh, you know, that's, that's uncommon and, and not an easy thing to do. And uh, they were due to get that third point. That was a really entertaining overtime period, really yeah. entertaining third period and overtime period with the Islanders and the Bruins uh, as, as entertaining as a one, one game that you'll see. And uh, you know, Everly scores the first goal and you're feeling good. Cause you're like, okay, all, all right. right, we got the first goal in. And then, you know, Raleigh gives one up. Um, but uh, they get a couple clutch saves. And then Beauvillier, who is not often used in the shootout, despite, you know, seemed to have a good track record in-game on breakaways, made a beautiful move. And then Varley makes the uh, the save on Marchand to get the extra point. And, you know, one cool effect, the fact that the arena is empty, is that during a shootout, you really could hear the bench kind of cheering as guys score and as saves are made. And that was a really cool moment, I thought, after the game to kind of just hear the raw emotion from the bench after Varley makes the save. And then, obviously, he had a great reaction as well. Absolutely. Now, let me let me get your opinion on this, because I'm a big proponent of expanding uh, three on three to 10 minutes, because I, I feel like the game will end in, the, in those 10 minutes, you know, basically eliminating a shootout. Because Can it, Matt Barzell play nine minutes and 50 seconds, though, of a 10 minute uh, three on three? <laughs> right. I mean, you look at how many of these like odd man rushes goes from one to the other, you know, three on one, three on two, to three on, you know, oh, basically, I mean, it's... It, it, the goalies can't sustain playing like that for 10 minutes. And it just seems like a uh, shootout. And then I think the shootout's over. I, I you know, I'm kind of over it now. Uh, get the win. You know, that's, that's big. Get the two points. But it's like you play a great game last night and all of a sudden you're the Bruins. You lose that game in a shootout. 
where it could have went another five minutes in, in an overtime mm-hmm. and, you know, picked up, you know, the extra point there. But it's just, it's just something that I think the league should look into. The three on three is fantastic. It's great. It, yeah. it, it is great. It is, it is great. And, uh, you know, you don't feel like it's a cheap, you don't feel it's like a cheap win. You don't feel like you were robbed, you know, if you lose a game three on three, um, the same way that when you lose a game in a shootout. Right. Um, you know, it's back and forth. It's super exciting. Um, you get to see some of the skilled players do things they can, they wouldn't be able to do without all that open ice. And, uh, you know, even though up until this point, the Islanders hadn't had much success, um, you know, they're an exciting team to watch and, and overtime, especially uh, Matt Barzell and the Islanders. I, I don't know the official stat, but they are one of the more winningest teams in NHL history when it comes to the shootout. Uh, maybe thanks to uh, Franz Nielsen. Um, and the Danish backhand in those early years, but I think they are among the more successful shootout teams, which also may come to a surprise um, amongst the, uh, amongst Islanders fans. Yeah. I mean, too bad that you just can't bring back Franz, you know, for the, just the shootout. Just the shootout, right? Should have yeah. should have picked him up on waivers for the yeah. 5 million. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Might be five million worth, but yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's it's been a hell of a ride so far. Let's just you know hope it continues. You know, well. It's wild, Noel. It is wild. Like I can't do it again and again and again. Yeah. You know that first year under Trotz, there were expectations were so so low, and um, had this remarkable turnaround of giving up the most goals, and then giving up the fewest goals in the league. And there was certain that was so special. And then you know last year, you know the way this you know we're one year removed now you know you saw brendan burke put out the photos of you know jg pajo doing a um a q a with reporters in vancouver right that was the last game that the Islanders played they lost that game in overtime uh that was their seventh straight defeat right. so you had you know you had that one really good year they get knocked out swept in the first round with carolina then the following year they had the 17 game point streak but are a very average team after that and then the bubble and now you're still going into the start of this year being like well which team is the real islanders team you know and they they lose Devontae's and you know really don't add to the roster beyond that although you have pajo full full year and you know what is still the real islanders team and now they're doing this again on the heels of you yeah. know having that long playoff run and now you're, you really go wow they're, they're one of the better teams in the league that's just the truth the truth is they were one of the better teams in the league right and it really doesn't really matter what, you know, the national publications say and all those guys who still don't believe in the honors are defying, defying the advanced stats. But some of the advanced stats are doing pretty well in, you know, the high danger five and five that they're doing fantastic. But all the players are still buying in, you know, into trucks. You figure by year three, maybe it'd be like some me players. There are no me players on this team. They're, they all have, a, you know, one goal. It's to win the Stanley Cup. And let's just hope that um, – it, it just continues. I mean, because who knows if they, you know, are able to bring somebody in the deadline. They bring in a forward. Taylor Hall. Let's throw him out there for a second. Mm-hmm. You know, work the cat magic, bring him in. He's a losing player. I mean, h- how it's bringing Taylor Hall into something like this going to work? You mm-hmm. know, it's a question, you know, we'll have to ask Lou. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll get the opportunity oh, yeah. to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, uh you know, I was talking to someone about this. We were talking about it in about college basketball and what coaches mean to a program in college sports. And I brought up, you know, Barry Trotz and what he's done with the Islanders. And if you're an owner of a professional sports team, 
I'd rather spend seven, eight million dollars. I know that's not what Trotz is making yet. Yeah. And he has one more year left on his deal. So we'll see what the next contract is worth. (laughs) But if I'm the owner of 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 an organization, I would pay that money for that top flight coach before I'm about to give out some free agent contract to a a second liner or a second pair defenseman. I mean, you can't put a price on the fact of what he's been able to do. Let's just talk about Matt Barzell for a moment and we'll get to the goal. But if you look at the evolution of the player, he may, you know, I don't know when he's going to be able to put up the same point totals he did in his first year. He may not. And he had those growing pains and moments where he was either benched or pulled or he was making a point with him. And, you know, we're, you know, Islander fans, you're star for offense and you want him just to be able to, to go be what he was his rookie year and what we saw flashes of. But Barry Trotz was playing the long game with this kid. And he knew for him to get to the next level, he needed to play this two-way game. And he still maybe isn't there all the time. Maybe still takes too many penalties here and there or makes a bad, bad decision. But he's a trusted two-way player in his own zone. And the offensive opportunities are still coming. And when they come, he's burying them and making the most of them. Like, just look at what he's done with that player, the most talented player on the roster, young, 21, 22 years old, and he knew what to do with them. Not every coach would have known what to do with Matt Barzell or would have been afraid to try to pull him back a little bit in order to get the best version of him later on. Not every coach would have done that. No, and, like, Trotz had some experience doing that in Washington. You know, he tried to, you know, make – Ovechkin, a two-way player, you know, and somewhat he did, you know, in spite of, you know, bringing down his offense. But you talk about Trot's, you know, best move, bringing him in. Going back to that summer of 2018, losing Tavares and gaining Trotz, I mean, that's worked out immensely. I mean, you were thinking about, oh, I'd rather have, you know, uh, John Tavares. No. You know, the, the way this has worked out, it's it's been fantastic. Every player is bought into the system, you know, and they're – I don't even know if Matt Barzell is going to have 85 points again like he did in his rookie season. He may top out at 70, but he might be uh, a more valuable two-way player than he would have been scoring 85 points. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and they're winning. That's the most important thing. If this team wins, I don't think they care if their offensive stats are lower than they would be in the run-and-gun you know, style of uh, Doug Waite. How mm-hmm. how and it- if you pull these guys, you know, I mean, if you, and if you pull these guys off this team and – put them in another organization, you know, yeah. what are they, what are they really worth? And we know we had that conversation a couple of weeks ago about Casey's Ezekis and what his situation is going to be. Is that going to be a player that is going to be you know, willing to take maybe a lower number? Um, I'm not sure what other teams feel like he is worth, but you know, certainly he benefits from being part of this team and this system and with his line mates. Right. And uh, I think you could say that about a, a lot of teams. Um, so before we go into break, the Matt, the Matt Barzell goal, um, against the Sabres um, on Saturday. And I regretfully say I did not see it live. It was my wife's 40th birthday. Uh, we had a big 40th birthday weekend plans going yeah. and, um, you know, checked the phone and, and, and could not believe that I, what I was watching and was upset that I wasn't there to kind of, to kind of see it happen live. But, you know, he did this last year against the game against the Dallas Stars, but in a different way on a, a ricochet off the boards, went between his legs to score a goal. Uh, this was more spectacular uh, because of the way he pursued the puck, won the battle, the defenseman falling down, yeah. and then, you know, again, presence of mind, something I'm sure he's pra- practicing 
uh, practiced on, but uh, able to do it live like that in the game. That is, that is kind of legendary type stuff there for Matt Barzell. Yeah. I mean, uh, like you, I didn't see it live. I was watching the game. I just had to do a quick couple of family things during, during that time. So I go up to my son's room and he's like, did you see the Barzell go? I'm like, no. He's like, you got to see this. So he, you know, grabs the phone, goes to the app. And I'm like, Oh my, I was like, rewind it. Let me see it again. I had it just four different times. And, since then, every angle is fantastic. I mean, all the pictures, you know, he's going to sign a ton of those pictures in every different mm-hmm. angle. And it was nice to see, you know, we'll get into ESPN in a little while, but SportsCenter making that the number one play, you know, the top play for that day because, I mean, that's the goal of the year, hands down right now. Yeah, I mean, I always got a little, like, uh, national flavor to have that goal um, kind of be everywhere and then, you know, play uh, on NBC the following afternoon. Right. So the Islanders were a little bit – uh, in these two games against the Sabres, well, two or three games against the Sabres, kind of very much in the in the limelight, front and center of the NHL world a little bit. And uh, Islanders wearing their um, reverse retros. And, uh, you know, for all that was said about the jerseys, they look damn good on the ice. We all, I think we always knew that. I think there were, you know, lack of creativity, whatever you want to say, they were going to be a damn nice jersey on the ice. And they did look sharp and brought me back to my, uh, you know, Adrian Coyne, yeah. Kenny Janssen, you know, Michael Pekka, Alexei Yashin, and, and uh, you know, Marius Tchaikovsky, Islanders a little bit. Yeah, I mean, when you first see the picture over the summer, you're like, eh, nothing special. You start on the ice, immediately brought me back to, like, you know, all those players, Jason Blake, uh, you know, Brad Isbister, all, all those players, yeah, they, they, look, they look fantastic. And quite frankly, I don't care what they wear, as long as they win. And uh, they've been winning whatever they – put on we are wearing i think i think you know the five three five two victories over buffalo i think they wore a different jersey each game <laughs> so no matter what they were against the sabers they were winning those games uh five to two um all right good stuff noel uh when we get back we'll have our isles buzz segment i have an interview coming up with anthony zeech anthony the artist illustrator who's now working with the new york islanders and behind that fabulous where's waldo print that came out over the weekend and then noel and i'll be back and talk about some more off the ice topics you're listening to pt isles part of the lighthouse hockey podcast network i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We're back. P.T. Isles, Joe Bono with you. And if you were following the Islanders Twitter account over the weekend, you saw that they tweeted out a Where's Waldo Islanders themed poster. And you could find Waldo. But if you look closely, you could find a, a lot of other Islander personalities there as well. And the artist who put that together is joining us here tonight. That's Anthony Zeech. Anthony, how are you? I'm great. How are you tonight? Uh, we're doing quite well. And um, obviously, 
Um, for those that don't know, Anthony has worked previously with the Columbus Blue Jackets and New Jersey Devils, and I've followed his work now for several years, and, and most recently he's been putting together some of those Islanders-themed posters that we've uh, seen publicized, most recently with the Pittsburgh Penguins games and the Philadelphia Flyers games as well. But, Anthony, tell us a little bit about how this Where's Waldo uh, thing came about and uh, the type of work and research uh, you had to do to make sure that you got all these elements into it. Sure. Uh, well, you know, this Where's Waldo concept came about uh, actually stemming from a previous concept that I had uh, used. I wanted to showcase, you know, Islanders fans across the globe, uh, all over the world for Global Supporters Day. And I had this really, I, I thought was a really neat idea to show a uh, cascading globe with fans from all from each country celebrating. And it would be this big global uh tailgate. That was my original idea. Um, and through working with the team and working through concepts, we actually landed on a Where's Waldo concept. Uh, it was uh, an example of a Where's Waldo inspired poster that was shared with me and that just immediately clicked and, and from there I was like, let's make this gigantic Where's Waldo tailgate um, and really show support and uh, show a lot of love to a lot of the you know, uh, uh, different fan groups that exist uh, with the team um, and all the different meetups as well. We had those logos in there and really showcase some fun Islanders history that, you know, brings everybody from all generations across. So did you have an Islander um, support team to kind of help you uh, decide what to go in there? I know that, you know, you didn't grow up necessarily in, in this area or necessarily an Islander mm -hmm. fan. So was this kind of, uh, R and D on your own, on your own through through social media to know what elements should be in there. Or did you work closely with the team to kind of get those main features in there? I've been working really closely with the team. Uh, I, I have. It's a fantastic team that I that uh, we are all very collaborative and working together uh, all towards the same goal of trying to deliver Islanders fans something cool this year uh, through this series. So they provided me the team with a list of, you know, I, I think I think I counted individually, there were 57 different Easter eggs that we actually implemented into this final piece. Uh, so they sent me a list with a lot of different inspirational uh, moments, uh, specific things they wanted to see. Like in the upper right, you see there's the pizza versus a chicken wing, which was a riff on um, the original pizza versus cheesesteak poster. Uh, so they, they wanted to showcase, you know, some of our other, you know, fun little ideas we've had with previous posters like that one, where we actually threw in a bagel and a black and white cookie uh, that didn't make the final cut on that first one. Uh, so the team, the team did a great job of providing me with great information, uh, great resources, great reference imagery, um, everything I could have asked for in this to make this the best I could for Isle Sam. And how long does something like this take? I mean, the, you know, the detail and the scaling of it all and all the, you know, obviously various colors. So um, does this take something like this take much, much longer than one of your more traditional posters? Um, you know, I, I would say on each poster for the most part, it varies. Uh, something like this, you know, we had, we didn't really have a lot of time between Pittsburgh and um, this Buffalo poster. I, if I recall Pittsburgh, was oh, what what date was that on Pittsburgh was February 20th so we only had like a two-week span to really get this out 
uh, with February being shortened, we kicked around some sketches early on for like three to four days, and we go through a lot of refinement there. Um, but then once it came down to, okay, we're settled on this Where's Waldo concept, we like the, the sketch that you've provided, now go at it. I had to go from complete blank slate to final line work and color in a matter of about three days, three and a half days. Uh, definitely stayed up late working on it, pulled an all-nighter to, uh, to finish it up the last day on uh, last Friday. Um, and, and, you know, it, something like that moves really fast. Um, the important thing is to stay organized, uh, stay on top of, you know, be, stay on top of being a good worker for yourself five hours from now or the day ahead. Um, so I'm very organized with how I build everything. I had a template that I used when I was illustrating all the little different people so that I knew head sizes were the same. This is where shoulders were. This is how a person looked from a three-quarters uh, side view looking back. Um, I had a lot of references that, you know, it takes a lot of work, uh, but it's all worth it to ultimately the final day just be able to drop everything in, drop color in, and start moving people around and just filling in the space so that it looks like a full scene. You mentioned, I think, how many Easter eggs did you say there were? Sixty? Fifty-seven, I think. And, and, and I'm counting, like, every individual logo and meetup. Uh, meetup logo that's in there for the groups, uh, everything. There's, there is 57 individual Easter eggs. Do you think everyone's found all of them at this point, or is there one that you feel like has been elusive uh, for people to point out? I'm not sure if you've been tracking uh, maybe the comments and the replies you know, on the Twitter account. Is, is there one out there that maybe has gone, has gone missing and people haven't actually figured out a point or pulled it all together quite yet? I think one that uh, most people definitely don't know of is yours truly is actually in, in this tailgate. Um, I <laughs> illustrated myself in there with my girlfriend and our dog that we have. Um, his name is Flip, uh, and her name is Shivani. And uh, we've been together for seven years, so after seven years, she finally made it into a poster. Um, so that, I think that's one of the Easter eggs that most people are going to be like, you know, who are these two guys? Uh, that's, uh, that's my little family and my dog. Um, is that but, you know, I think that's, a, mm -hmm, that's us right up by the arena. Um, we, we've met working for the Blue Jackets. Hockey's been a big part of our relationship. Anytime we go to a different city, we like to get a picture in front of the new arena that we're going to. Um, so that's us just, you know, uh, falling in line with our tradition, getting a picture in front of brand new UBS arena. Um, but I know that's a deep cut. I know most people won't see that. Um, I think one of my favorite ones that I don't know if I saw many people point him out. Um, I love the little sound tiger fan that I have cheering over by the Montauk slide. Um, mm -hmm. He's just hanging off by the side and he's just jumping up and down in the air. He's all happy and cheerful. Um, I don't know why just that, that, that fun, that, that amount of fun that he's displaying is uh, what I think this whole piece does. Absolutely. And then you have some uh, Sabre fans um, or at least Buffalo fans Mm -hmm. uh, out there and kind of note to the Bills Mafia and uh, and then mm -hmm. some other uh, disheartened uh, uh, party cups, uh, you know, after probably a loss, I'm, I'm assuming, <laughs> at the hands of the Islanders. Mm -hmm. So good stuff. Well, there, uh, are, are you mentioning that, that cup up in the, uh, the upper right there? Yes. Yeah, that's actually, that's actually a little Easter egg on the wide right. Uh, 
you know, from the Bills and uh, Giants game. Uh, we, we brought that into the into this piece also. And, you know, I can't have a – I didn't want to put a football in there, so I thought a tailgate red solo cup was going to be a fun little way of saying, like, oh, this guy looks sad. He dropped his drink. Oh, that makes sense. And that the uh, guy next to him is wearing what looks like another football jersey. It all kind of comes together now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very easy. Uh, when there's, uh, there's, along with yeah, the there's plenty of things that are hidden. And plenty of things that are hidden. Uh, I don't even know if I could go through and pick out all 57 right now. But, you know, one of the things, I if, if we had, you know, just some extra time and not if I knew how to do this, I would have figured out a way to make this interactive. That way you could actually click on it. And, you know, I, I think – I wanted to make this something that everybody could enjoy. Um, and, you know, if we just had that extra bit of time, uh, I would have figured out a way to make it interactive and really get it to this uh, really cool zoom in and find all these people and keep track type of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think growing up uh, waiting in doctor's offices, I used to use all those highlights books growing up and playing, uh, you know, the kind of the hunt, looking for all the uh, all the pictures buried. Uh, in there and that was kind of the fun that this brought back for me and you also kind of you know uh paid homage to uh, a number of bruce bennett type photos that are famous the mike bossy flaming hockey stick uh you have billy mm-hmm. smith out there on the lawn in his uh goalie gear and then also of course um brian trottier giving a salute as well <laughs> was, that, was in here that is my uh, I was so happy the team suggested to put that in because that's just one of my favorite hockey photos of all time. So being able to slide that in, that that just put a big smile on my face that the team was like, let's run with this. Let's have fun. And, uh, you know, I'm talking to Anthony Zeech, uh, graphic designer, artist, uh, most recently uh, working with the New York Islanders. And uh, where I first kind of came across you was when you were with the Columbus Blue Jackets and I had seen some of these posters that you made for game days. And the one that struck out uh, for me was the one you did with Sparky chasing after the Blue Jacket mascot, but doing it in the Honda, white Honda SUV, uh, which became, of course, <laughs> so synonymous with Sparky Center. Mm-hmm. I love that one. That's such a classic. Uh, that's where, you know, I love, I love the amount of fun that we had in those Blue Jackets ones, especially with, you know, I thought it was cool. We had this big new shiny wrap for our uh, Stingers, uh, you know, uh, SUV. Why not have him towing a SUV? I thought it was, thought it was fun. And that, I think that's one of the best ones that really started to get me involved more with Islanders fans and Islanders culture. Islanders fans have been, um, so uh, really good supporters of my work uh, because I've done so many Blue Jackets Islanders ones in the past. And uh, not too many artists could say they've incorporated Niles, uh, the infamous mascot for one season or two seasons mm-hmm. uh, in multiple drawings now between uh, the, uh, the world's Waldo and, and the one where he's uh, driving, uh, he's riding shotgun uh, next to Sparky in, in that mm-hmm. one. Um, it's actually his third appearance ever. Uh, he's actually oh, hidden really? in the. Uh, mm-hmm. I also have him hidden very small um, in one of the missing posters uh, for the Blue Jackets Islanders game on December 12th, where it's like a, a Columbus, Ohio subway system. Um, I've got a missing Niles uh, picture on there as well. But ever since, ever since back then, I was like, I got to get Niles in more things. That guy's cool. And um, 
are any of these post the series going to be on sale? If someone wanted to purchase these, are, are you able to uh, sell these direct? Uh, could you tell us about that and whether or not that's an option for fans? Uh, you know, as as of right now, the uh, best way to get them is to enter the teams, enter to win. Um, we're doing like I think a hundred exclusive prints that I'm signing and numbering. Uh, and, and as of right now, that that's all I can really speak to. That's uh, as far as what I know about how fans can get them. Um, I certainly hope we can figure out some more ways to get this in front of fans and get them in fans' hands in some way, shape, or form. But you know, we'll 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 see what what time brings us and what future discussions bring us. But as of right now, go to that enter to win every time we do one of these. And uh, hopefully you, you get one of the a very exclusive limited edition prints right now. And Anthony, before I let you go, just to tell us a little bit about how, you know, kind of graphic designers and illustrators and artists kind of blend into the sports world these days for someone that's worked for several hockey teams now. Um, mm-hmm. Is is what you do kind of an outlier, or, or are there a lot of um, artists that kind of find their way working with teams in, in some kind of capacity? Is that kind of increasing in your mind? I think it's increasing. You're starting to see content creators gain a larger platform with, you know, the ability to reach such far audiences on on social, through Twitter, through Instagram, through Snapchat, Facebook, all the different ways. Um, but, you know, I, I don't want to – I don't look at what I do as special or, like, I don't like to boast myself up too much. I think there are just as many uh, talented people out there that could be doing this that don't have the opportunity. I think that's where I've been very fortunate and I can recognize uh, – you know, I, I worked for the Jackets. I had my work put on a big platform all of a sudden. I went to the Devils and I had my work continuously put on a large platform. Um, I think that's something that's really helped me, um, and, I, and I have to I have to be thankful of that because not many people have that resource. Not many people have that access, um, and it's something you can't really take for granted. So I, I'm always going to be thankful to the people that have given me the space to sort of build my career. Um, but, you know, to continue on with, with, the, with what you asked, it's, you know, these larger platforms now that everybody has as a creator, I think you're starting to see the voices that we have, the ideas that we have, the ways that we communicate, and I think that's what's really starting to shake things up. You're seeing teams embrace creative in a different way. You're seeing the world embrace creative in a different way, especially in the past year. Um, you've got to communicate in different ways other than just a tweet, and that's giving a lot of really talented people, some really great opportunities out there to do some cool projects that, you know, like my past projects have done current projects for people now are setting them up for the future. Uh, so it's really exciting to see what content creators have done and are starting to do, especially in hockey, as hockey starts to loosen up and have more fun, uh, you know, in the social space. Well, Anthony, great work. A lot of people had a lot of fun. Um, finding all those Easter eggs that uh, were posted over the weekend. And uh, we look forward to seeing your future projects with this team and and, uh, hopefully a long career uh, doing this uh, in sports. So we thank you very much for your time and continued success and good luck. Uh, Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks again to Anthony Zeech for that interview and be sure to check out his work throughout the season. Noel's back, and so is NHL and ESPN, a seven-year agreement. And this, Noel, brought back all the 
all the memories, all the vibes of Gary Thorne and Bill Clement. <laughs> and, and the music. Um, you know, I, I used to work at ESPN. I was there for a decade. And I worked on a few, quite a few Stanley Cup finals. And I was heartbroken to see them leave uh, ESPN and go to, uh, I guess it was the Outdoor Life Network then? OLN. OLN, yeah. And um, yeah, I was still there. It was, it was heartbroken. So a lot of good hockey people there. There still are a lot of good hockey people there now, just very quiet. I mean, I'm a little, I was a little torn because one good thing about this whole deal, it's going to be so much streaming. And that's what the future is. There's going to be over a thousand games streaming on their ESPN Plus bundle. The NHL TV is also going to be merged into the ESPN bundle, which I'm sure it's going to end up being like 25 bucks a month. Games on Hulu, ESPN Plus. Oh, I'm watching Toy Stories 1, 2, 3, and 4 pretty much on loop right now. So hopefully I can uh, get some other use out of my, my Disney bundle. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm sure they'll have some kind of like integration with uh, Marvel and you know, NHL and, and whatnot. But uh, there's only going to be 25 games through uh, the regular season games on ESPN and ABC. So my thing is, we all know how ESPN handled hockey last time. It's always kind of like third citizen. Uh, but let's just see what they do, which night they put the game on. It's going to bounce around, this and that. But it's going to be nice to see that ESPN is actually recognizing hockey again. It's kind of like ESPN was like the UN and all these sports were like countries. And then now they're back into the UN. So they're recognizing ESPN, mm-hmm. recognizing NHL as a sport again. Because for like 17 years, it really wasn't a sport to ESPN. If you go on ESPN.com and you try to find like the top sports, like the NHL is not one of the quick ones you can kind of go to just to get the scores yeah, up well, top. Yeah. You got to kind of go, kind of got to go search for the NHL like underneath like Premier League soccer somewhere, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to read it to you. Way down. I have, I have it up right now. So it's NFL on, on the tab up top. NFL, NBA, soccer, men's college basketball, women's college basketball. MLB. Then you go to three dots, which is more. Going down. Boxing, college sports, golf, the NBA G League, Olympic sports, including <laughs> college football, WNBA, the CFL, cricket, MNA, college football, racing, rugby, the WWE, chalk, F1, NASCAR, finally, NHL. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. It's a major four sport or should or historically has been considered one. And they try to bury it on their website that much. It's lower than the CFL. And it's lower than the G League. I mean, come on. Rugby? I'm not knocking any of these sports, but it's a big sport, big four sport in North America. But yet it's like the 25th listed on ESPN.com. So in honor of this, um, a great Twitter account, at Isles Historical, um, who is known as Islanders Pride on YouTube, probably has the best catalog of old Islander games and moments um, on YouTube, um, put out the intro of Game 7, 1993 Islanders in Pittsburgh. So I'm going to quickly just play that for everyone just so you can kind of get, ex- get excited. In Game 6, the Islanders and Darius Kasparaitis made clear they would spare no one the body, even if your name is... The end here. Oh, get excited right there. It was great growing up um, watching ESPN 
uh, NHL on ESPN and Gary Thorne and Bill Clement and, uh, you know, Steve Levy and, and Bucci Gross and then kind of the uh, attention he used to get on the deuce ESPN too yep. uh, for those years as well. And uh, it'll be nice to have it back in the fold. You know, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the NBC did a good job, but maybe not a great job with the NHL. Um, you know, maybe they could have done more with it in retrospect, but uh, it'll be interesting. And I guess they're not closing the door completely to the to the NHL and NBC, um, at least not yet. It seems like there could be some other opportunities there uh, still. Yeah, I mean, there's still like another. I mean, Disney is going to take the, the the bulk of the, the broadcast, and I think NBC might have some place but i mean don't count on fox i think fox might might want to get back into it and a dark horse might be cbs i mean because cbs sports network i mean they don't really have anything on on there i mean they do a great job we're in geo yeah exactly we're in geo yeah but they they do a great job of women's sports but other than that they they really have nothing else so they could be a wild card but i just don't want to go into having three you know you know what's it called you know partners and can't find the game you know, it's like the mm-hmm. playoffs every night, you know, which, what channels the game on this and that, but I mean, it's good. It's going to be good. I mean, I don't know how, um, you know, if they end up getting Gary Thorne back, it would be great. And he's doing Baltimore Oriole games now. Yeah. Yeah. He is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye home run. Yeah. Beaten down by Glaber Torres every night. Uh, but yeah, well, well, we'll have to see what happens, but it, it's good. You know, this is probably gonna be the most, recognize hockey gets in ESPN in the seven years is today. I think after that, it's going to tie down a lot, even though when they show games, today's the day that ESPN is you know, front and center. ESPN put out a tweet announcing it, and then all the NHL teams were like replying uh, to the tweet, and then they were kind of retweeting um, all of them, you know, so a little bit of uh, collaborative work between the NHL and uh, ESPN and the teams to kind of bring attention to uh, – this announcement and uh, we'll see what happens. Um, Gary Bettman making some news earlier today. Sounds like uh, the cap is going to be relatively flat over the next, you know, four years. We'll see what that means for players like Matt Barzell, who's on a, on a three-year deal. And uh, we'll see, you know, there may not be a lot of opportunities for that mega contract outside um, of the Islanders. Same maybe with Ryan Pulak, who was on a two-year bridge deal. So there could be some, Islander impact and, and we'll see what happens to other star players and other teams that are pretty top heavy with their talent, uh, that that number is not going to go up, but you know, this is kind of reality and uh, what we expect after, uh, you know, a couple of years of uh, very limited revenue because of uh, fans not being able to be in attendance. Yeah. And it's a shame that uh, the NHL took such a hit with obviously with the COVID like, like everyone else, because this was a traditional year, the cap probably would have went up because each team is getting, I think, $12 and a half million dollars from this deal. And the deal is not over yet because the secondary partners is going to, you know, pump in money as well. Um, but yeah, it's just it's in the money. I guess the escrow accounts were, were kind of low, as opposed to what Gary Batman was saying. But you know, let's have to see see what happens. One other item from me here during our Owls Buzz segment. This has been floating around here. This amazing clip of. Uh, middle-aged gentleman cutting the best Islander wrestling promo out there. And uh, I made the plea online, have not gotten the correct answer yet um, or an answer yet. I want to know who this guy is. Yeah. Someone, someone must know who this gentleman is and can bring us to our attention and get him on because this is some pro level stuff. You, you, he had to have done this before. So he, here it is. 
I mean, that's just fantastic stuff. And the reaction at the end, if you've seen the video, uh, is all time. He just kind of walks away. Uh, the people around him coming up and down the concourse, that must be from five, six, seven, eight years ago. I don't know, maybe 2013 playoffs that is. I mean, I'm not sure when that's from, but it just kind of came to the surface recently and it's getting a lot of publicity uh, after Islander victories. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's fantastic. I really hope they, like, you know, put that in the Joe Mortron when fans come back. They should. Yeah, it's a great call. Yeah, they take the ice. But, yeah, it's, it's um, yeah, tomorrow night's game or, you know, Thursday's game, you know, fans in the stands, it's, it's going to be fantastic. All the frontline workers from Northwell. And then, uh, like you said before, the seven games are sold out. You know, COVID's you know, sold out. Fans are thirsty to get back into the, the Coliseum. And it's, uh, it's going to be great. That'll do it for this episode of PTLs. Thanks again to Anthony Zeech for his time uh, giving us a breakdown of how he came up with that beautiful Islanders Where's Waldo portrait and the other Islanders um, game day posters that he has been working on. As mentioned, the Islanders' next three games all against the New Jersey Devils on Thursday at 7 o'clock, followed by a game Saturday night, and then coming right back, a 5 o'clock start on Sunday. For Noel Fogelman, I'm Joe Bono. We'll talk to you next week, Islanders country. Good night. 